Wow, wonderful. All right, family, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. We are going to talk about desperation today, the gift, the blessing of desperation, which on the surface is going to seem like the worst gift ever. Uh, We don't like the concept of desperation, but I'll make a statement right now. Unless we are willing, unless we are willing, we will not experience the power of God in our lives. It's like it's this incredible door that opens when we are willing. But if we are not willing, we will not experience the power of God in our lives. And and when I talk about willing, what I'm talking about is a willingness to approach God on his terms. And a willingness to turn to him and to stop being the God of our own life and to stop trying to will our own purposes and our own plans and our own, our own desires, but a, a willingness to approach God on his terms and to allow God to do through us the miraculous and to experience a fullness of his presence and to experience a fullness of his presence and power within us. But unless we're willing, and I'll tell you, nothing will make us more willing than desperation. Because when things are going well, and the sun is shining, and the bank account is full, and we're strutting down the street, yeah, we, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty big on ourselves, everything's going great. But you know what? In that moment, we may just be drifting farther and farther away from the Father's heart. Sometimes sunny skies, when things are good, our spiritual life gets real, real dry. But then we're blessed with the opportunity uh, with, with storms and with trials, and they may not seem like blessings, like suffering. How is that a blessing? Well, because it leads us to a place of desperation. I define desperation this way. I say I define it. This is definition provided uh, by an online dictionary. Desperation is that feeling you have when you are in such a bad situation that you will try anything to change it, even turning to Jesus, okay? That you're in This feeling, when you're in such a bad situation, you'll try anything to change it. I read about desperation this week. Uh, A couple by the name of Joey and Paul Reed, they are parents uh, of a military veteran, Trevor Reed, who's been incarcerated in a Russian prison camp for like 985 days. Desperate. They turned and did anything and everything they could do to get their son released. They turned to media, they turned to local representatives, federal representatives, they turned to presidents, anybody. Help our son. He is sick. Save our son. It is desperation. We see desperation happening in the, the country of Ukraine, like the city of Maripool. Please rescue us. We are desperate. There is desperation. There is desperation with the Dallas Cowboys. Like, oh, we want to win a Super Bowl. Oh. <laughs> Maybe they'll try anything. <laughs> But here's the thing, we don't have to like go overseas, okay? We don't have to read the newspaper to find desperation. We can find it in our own life. Those those seasons and times where we're just absolutely desperate and we're literally brought to our knees and we realize that we are desperate for Jesus because Jesus is all we have. And in that, we are in the most blessed state because we're grabbing a hold of the one who can hold us. Matthew chapter 9 Verses 18 through 26, desperation on display. 
While Jesus was saying this, if you'll remember from last week, there was a religious, a couple of religious dudes that came up and they wanted to ask Jesus about fasting. Well, another religious dude goes searching for Jesus and he's not looking for a theological debate. He's not looking to discuss different doctrines or traditions. No, this man is desperate. And it's crazy how crisis will cut through all sorts of arguments. All kinds of people like, I have all these arguments about God and all these theological, and then all of a sudden, chaos hits, and they're like, Jesus! (laughs) Chaos cuts right through. Pain cuts right through. Desperation cuts right through our best laid arguments. While he was saying this, the synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died. Listen to this prayer. Come and put your hand on her and she will live. That is desperation. I can't think of a more desperate place to be a parent of a sick or a dying child. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Desperation. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that very moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl's not dead but asleep, but they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up, and and news of this spread throughout all of that region. And just like I talked about in this, this, this picture of what we're seeing, we're seeing desperation on display. In the, in the previous context, there's these religious dudes who want to come and talk to Jesus about traditions. And then we have this other religious guy who right now at this very moment in his life had no issue with theological differences, had no issue with Jesus' teachings. At this moment, everything, all prejudice, all arrogance was set aside because he was in desperate need. And I have found in my own life, that is when Jesus becomes the most real. Uh, Matthew 9, 18, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died. Come put your hand on her and she will live. You know, this is a man by the name of Jairus. We know that he and his wife, they had one child, a daughter who was about 12 years old. And she was terminal. And so Jesus went, or Jairus went scouring the streets looking for Jesus, and when he found him, he knelt before him. That word knelt, it literally is the picture of prostrating oneself, or in worship, or in awe, or in pleading, or in prayer. It's a significant posture. It is a posture of desperation. And, and his, his prayer is, is desperate. He's just like, please come lay your hand on my daughter. And what I see in this very moment is Jesus is moved by desperate prayers. Jesus is moved by desperate prayers. Because in verse 19, we read Jesus got up. He starts moving towards Jairus' house. Like in this very moment that this desperate prayer is being prayed, like Jesus starts moving in the the direction of desperation. 
and he went with them, and so did his disciples. And so Jesus, moved by this man's desperate prayer, start walking through the streets. Now, unbeknownst to Jairus and the crowd that was surrounding Jesus and the disciples, there was another person who was scouring the streets looking for Jesus. It was another desperate person. And we are introduced to her in verse 20. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, saying to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I'll be healed. This particular woman, and we, we know that like for 12 years, she had suffered terribly. She had spent everything she had, turning to any type of doctor or any type of medicine. She was now completely broke. She was completely separated from her community. She was desperate. She had a 12-year menstrual flow of blood. You know, this, this past week, I had this incredible case of poison ivy on my legs, just oozing pus. I know, that's really gross, right? You're like, oh, that's gross. But you know what? At the house, it was funny because all of the people in my home were like avoiding me. They were like, oh, don't get that on me. I had special sheets provided for me. I had special towels provided for me. I was allowed to spend time a little isolated from everybody because nobody wanted to get that stuff on them. I went to the doctor, I got a shot, all of a sudden it started to clear up. But think about this, for 12 years, this woman was dirty. Nobody wanted to get near her. Nobody wanted to touch her. She was gross and unclean. And in this desperate moment, she weaves her way through the crowd with this one prayer, if only I touch his cloak, please, Jesus, heal me. And in this very moment, we read, I'm going to quote uh, from here in Mark 9, 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Immediately. Twelve years of suffering healed by a touch. What would that experience be like? Could you imagine suffering with something for 12 long years, day after day after day, with no end in sight, but just to this moment in desperation of reaching out to Jesus, the second her fingertips touched his garment, she knew. In this very moment, Jesus turned around. We know that there was a large crowd following Jesus. And Jesus asks a very strange question, and I could imagine Jairus is like, hey, hold on a second, Jesus, you're getting distracted, because Jesus turns around and he's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, who touched you? You're surrounded by hundreds of people. Everybody's bumping into us. What do you mean who touched you? And he's like, no, who touched me? Power came out from me. Somebody was healed. Who was it? And I imagine Jairus is like, but my daughter. And Jesus is like, I have another daughter here. Who are you? Crowd stops. And this, this woman who is now whole and, and healed, I can imagine approaches trembling. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, 
I'm just so desperate to be healed. Jesus had no desire to rebuke this woman, but to restore her fully. To restore her to her rightful place as daughter. Matthew 9, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 22, Jesus turned to her. I imagine Jesus lifted up her chin, got down at her level. Take heart, daughter. What a tender term. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that very moment. All I can say about that verse is faith is powerful. I mean, that's all I can see. That literally faith and desperation led to the miraculous. This woman experienced the miraculous specifically because she reached out to Jesus in faith. Had this woman not reached out for Jesus, she would not have experienced healing. And I believe she experienced actually an even greater healing. Now, what we may not realize when we're reading through the Gospels, and this is what I believe, I believe many of the people that are healed were most likely a part of the early church. And I can imagine during like testimony time in the early church, there were people that stepped up like this woman who was like, I had a flow of blood for 12 years. I was sick and I was desperate and I had nothing and I touched just the hem of his garment and I felt power run through my body and I was healed at that very moment and he called me daughter. I love Jesus. Imagine another person would step up. I was possessed by demons, but Jesus cast them out and I was restored to my right mind. Imagine another person would step up and be like, I was blind, but he touched my eyes, and, and now I see. I love Jesus. And I could imagine a woman stepped up and goes, you know what? I got you all beat. I am Jairus' daughter. When I was 12, I died. But he raised me from the dead. I could imagine at that moment, Jairus' daughter looked over at Lazarus, who had also been risen from the dead, and was like, what up, homie? And because we've been risen and because Jesus has risen, we will rise. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Matthew 9, 23. They turned towards Jairus' house. When they entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, they were there, these like mourners, and they were playing mourning dirges. And, and Jesus is like, go away. I love that. He's like, beat it. You have no place here. This is no place of mourning. In fact, Jesus says, the girl is not dead but asleep. I mean, who is this Jesus who can call death a nap? You dig what I'm saying? Like when we're at a memorial service and, and we're thinking of playing these memorial dirges, it's like, wait a second, in Jesus, death is a nap. He will rise. We will raise up because Jesus has risen. I find it fascinating that people laughed at Jesus. I don't know. I get a little defensive. 
I get a little defensive about Jesus. I'm like, why are you laughing at Jesus and his word? But sometimes people laugh at us. You're telling me you trust in that. You're trusting me. You say you believe that, that Jesus, because he's died and been buried and because he's risen, you believe that through faith in Jesus, that he's the only way, he's the only truth, and he's the only life. And you, you believe, wait, <laughs> you believe that? To which Jesus says, it's time to clear the house of the people who have no faith. Verse 25, it was time for the crowd to go. He put them outside. He went in. Check this out. Check this out. Took the girl by the hand, and she got up. I'm going to read that again. I, I don't know if we understand the full weight of what we just read. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. Okay, I'm going to say it again, because I don't think we're getting this. We read this stuff, and we're like, oh yeah, another healing. <laughs> Jesus raised another dead person. Okay, I want you to just really really read this and consider what just we are witnessing right here. He went in, took the girl by the hand, who was dead, and she got up. <laughs> Dude, Jesus raises the dead. Does that, I mean, okay. Jesus raises the dead. <laughs> you want it one more time? Okay. I'm going to start over here. Jesus raises the dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this very moment, he touches her hand. Life rushes back into her, and she wasn't raised to her sickness. She was raised to full health. <clears throat> and in fact, in Luke's gospel, we see Jesus like, hey, get her a snack. She's hungry. Because apparently being raised from the dead makes us hungry. <clears throat> Which is why when Jesus returns for his church, the dead in Christ will rise first. He's like, okay, time to get up. And that we will be with him and we'll be brought into his presence. And we're going to feast because apparently resurrection makes us hungry. And we are going to feast with Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, this stuff should be, you know, this should be alive in our life, you know? This is not some dry, dusty page. I mean, this is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. The Word is alive because Jesus is alive. Jesus is the Word. Matthew 9, 26, and I love this. News spread through all that region. Well, well yeah. Yeah. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus raised. Who? Who? What? Who's that? Jesus. Who's Jesus? Uh, come on, you got to meet him. Jesus, he raised the dead. Jesus raises the dead. And wouldn't that be crazy if like the news spread through God's people, the good news that we literally carried Jesus everywhere we went. And we told people like, Jesus raises the dead. Oh yeah? Prove it. Look at me. I was dead. Now I'm alive. I was spiritually blind. Now I see. Jesus raises the dead. Well, maybe Jesus can raise my life. He can. He can because Jesus is risen. Really? Is that for me? Yes, it's a good news. That's pretty good news. I'm like, yeah. 
I'm like, we need some good news. Wake up, church. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That should be on our minds. That should be out of our mouths. We should be sharing that. Why are you so happy? Oh my gosh, how could I not be? I know the resurrected king. I know Jesus. I have a personal relationship with the living father. He literally created the universe. I come into his presence and through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that literally God the Father, God the Son, make their home in me through Holy Spirit. I can't help but smile. I can't help but have joy. I can't help but have passion and faith. Yes, we may lose everything. Everything may fall apart. Everything may fail, but you know what? Jesus is the rock, and I stand on him. And the wind and waves beat against my life. Though they plow against me, I will stand. Not because of my strength, because of Jesus' strength. And no, I did not have a lot of coffee today. <clears throat> I literally, this is what I asked for. Holy Spirit, fill me and speak through me today. That's what I asked for. And you know what's crazy? When we take that kind of posture, God will speak through you. Isn't that crazy? Is that weird? No. Huh. So two blind men apparently heard this. And they go looking for Jesus. This was crazy because when news spread, people go looking. Which is, which is the irony is not lost. I mean, like two blind guys go looking. But that's exactly what happens, and that's exactly where we're going to be at next week for Mother's Day. Well, I can't wait for Mother's Day. Any moms in the house? Anybody here have a mom? Y'all better be sharp. You better do something nice, fellas. I got something real nice planned. I just don't know what it is yet. Five boys. My wife is the mother of five sons. Six, actually. <clears throat> I better do something nice. I better start today. It should be every day. Okay, so uh, uh, an application. I'm going to leave you with a few applications. Unless we are willing, we will not experience the power of God in our life. Okay? Unless we're willing. Check this out. If the woman had never reached out in faith for Jesus, she never would have been healed. The flow of blood would have been hers for the remainder of her life. If Jairus had not reached out to Jesus in faith, his daughter never would have been healed. If you, me, all people, if we do not reach out to faith, in faith to Jesus, we will not experience healing. If we don't ask, we will never receive. If we don't seek, we will never find. If we never knock, the door will never be opened. Ever. Now, am I saying that every time we reach out for Jesus for healing or for a miracle or that person that you're praying for is going to be physically healed, is that, going to, is that always going to happen? We know that's not true. Because even reading through the Gospels, Jesus did not heal physically every single person. But I do know this, that the greatest healing we experience is not always physical. In fact, the greatest healing happens in our souls regardless what's happening in our bodies. But I'm going to make this statement, and you all need to hear this. Are you listening, church? Do you have ears to hear? Let this shape your prayer life. 
Let this shape the way you view your world. Let this impact the way you interact with other people. Let this be a part of your thinking every single day. Here it is. If you do not ask, if you do not seek, if you do not knock, you will never receive, you will never find, the door will never be open to you 100% of the time. And so, here is the application. Always ask, always seek, always knock. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And watch as God does what we are incapable of doing and are powerless to do. Because here's the thing, if we are praying like that, if we are seeking like that, if we are knocking like that, you better believe we're going through something pretty desperate that has brought us to our knees. And here's what I know, Jesus is moved by desperate prayers. All his promises are yes and amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. I watched a new Batman movie. What a lame movie. Anyway... I I know some of you are like, it's so dark. I like it. Some of y'all need some sunshine. I just want to say that. That's what that movie needed. It needed some sunshine. It needs some light. I'm Batman. Take care of yourself. Like anyway, so we're watching the movie about an hour and a half in. I was like, oh man, this is a long movie. But I thought this was what was so fascinating. It's this dark movie, very depressive movie, and it was this picture of like darkness and Gotham and evil and all of that, and, and there really was no hope. Like the only hope was like vengeance and all that. But you know what I found fascinating? The one word that kept being used through the whole movie as a cuss word was the name Jesus. It was Jesus this, and Jesus that, and Jesus this, and Jesus that. And when, when we hear that, we're like, I can't believe it. But I'm like, you know what? The devil tried to take Jesus' name and twist it and distort it and tarnish it, but nothing can. The name of Jesus stands. There is no greater name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is God. And so even as you're cussing, you're preaching the name of Jesus. And what it's saying is when you're in darkness, when you're in a hopeless state, and all you have is vengeance, what you have is actually Jesus. And what you may use as a curse word is actually the name that can save your soul and raise the dead. And Marvel's better anyway. Um, <laughs> was that all right, Adrian? I feel like that's the one thing I'm going to get an email about. I can't believe you said Marvel's better. <laughs> we need superheroes. That's what it is. We are like addicted to superhero movies. You know why? Because we need a hero. We're desperate for salvation. And man, we'll, we'll turn to any and other thought of a hero. You want to know the hero of heaven? His name is Jesus. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I do not believe every one of you in here is a believer. I just don't believe it. I don't believe that every one of you in here has truly bent your knee to Jesus and truly invited him into your life. But I'm going to tell you right now, that is what your soul needs. That is what you are aching for. That is what you are searching for. And I do not believe that every one of us who are believers are truly living a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit and honoring him. And some of us have wandered and some of us continue to wander. It's time to come back and it is time for you to give your life to Jesus. No more be around the bush, no more arguments, no more like theological structure. It is time for you to give your life to Christ. So, 
Who's ready to give their life to Jesus? Who is here right now who's ready to give their life to Christ? Who is it? Because I know you're here, okay? And I know you're terrified at the thought of being exposed in front of a bunch of people. But who are you? Who is it that has not given their life to Jesus, but you know it's today? Anybody? I can't hear you. Who is it today who has not given their life to Christ, but you know it is right now? Who is it? Why do you hide? Why? What is it that keeps you frozen in fear? It's keeping you from the one who loves you, who died to save you, who is risen and who lives. I know you're here. And you've been here. Yeah, you've been here before. It's time. And it's time for you to come home. To you who have wandered and walked away, it's time for you to come home. And I don't know who it is that needs healing this morning, but I know you're here. And so I'm going to ask that our prayer partners come forward. Come on down, elders. Gina. Where are you, Pat? Mary. Come on down here. My lovely wife. So these prayer partners are down here to pray for you. There's power in prayer. Don't walk out of here without the prayer you're so desperate for. So we're going to sing this song. And we're not going to be in a big hurry. And we're going to ask Holy Spirit to move in here. And, and for you, who you know, you know I was talking to you. I just can't let it alone. It's like, dude, it's so heavy on my heart. Um, don't leave here without him. And so, Lord, we approach you as a church and as a congregation. Lord, I just feel your presence here. I just know you're moving here in power and presence. I know you're moving and shaping hearts and minds. And uh, Lord, you're drawing. You're drawing us to your throne. You're drawing us into your presence. Holy Spirit, draw us. If it is you who I've been speaking to, and you know it is, it is time for you to give your life to Jesus, to first finally surrender your life, come forward for prayer. If you know today that you, it's time to return back and it's time to no longer wander. It's time to get back into the fold. Come forward for prayer. If you need healing right now, healing over addiction, healing in your marriage, healing of any form, whether physical, emotional, spiritual, come forward for prayer. So we're going to allow God to move here in this place. Come when you're ready. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. 
Let's stand.
now it is time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again, same time, same place next week. In fact, don't wait till next week. Believers, spend time with one another. Love one another. We need the fellowship of the saints. But I don't want you to forget, family, that you are loved. Now lavish that love on one another and let's go take Jesus to these streets. Let's go tell people that Jesus saves. Let's go tell him that, tell them that he raises the dead and let's go shine love on the city. Amen? We'll see you next time.